An important conversation this hour about the future of Toronto Police. What do we want the Toronto Police Force to look like? What do we want it to do? Who do we want to lead it going forward after the surprise resignation, early resignation, uh, eight months before his contract is up? And I explained in the last segment as to why the resignation of Mark Saunders. The quick email here from uh, Justin saying... How about a data or fact-based approach to policing? Not sure why that's such an outlandish proposal to the left as a whole. Uh, I'm not certain what that means, but if you have a thought or an, uh, something you want to express to me, 416-870-6400 is the place to call. 416-870-6400 is we're talking about the future of policing. Or if you'd like to fire me an email, which will possibly leave me scratching my head, that is Carter. that is A-L. A and dot Carter at globalnews.ca. So when we talk about what's next for the police and what's next for the chief, keep in mind, who is it that makes that decision? Is it the province? You think Doug Ford's responsible for that? No. You think city council is responsible for that? No. It is the responsibility of the police services board, which is a difficult organization sometimes to understand. Police Services Board consists of an equal number of members that are appointed both from the regional or municipal council, in the case of Toronto would be uh, city council appointees, uh, and then there are also appointees from the province, and then one community member chosen by the council. And that board is the entity that decides who the next chief will be, although there's a search committee that it will separately go and look, but also decides things like budgetary things and all kinds of other oversight issues. And the question is, who are they really accountable to? Are they accountable to you? And when we talk about things like defunding the police, what does that mean? I want to get to the line, and Kristen Wong-Tam, who's a Toronto City Councillor, who is on the line. She has a motion that is going to go before Council, uh, calling for a cut of 10% to the police budget. That would be a total of $122 million. Kristen Wong-Tam, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Alan, for having me. When we talk about the Police Services Board, let's start with that. Are they accountable to the people? Are they accountable to the city? Well, we would like to think, you know, hypothetically that they're accountable to the people, meaning the capital P residents like you and I, uh, but ultimately they are political appointees, uh, which means that uh, you and I don't get to necessarily question them, uh, but they are also individuals that come from uh, the premier's office, probably uh, chosen by the provincial government, and then council uh, will uh, also appoint members from city council uh, to sit on that board. Um, so in the, in the best case scenario, we would have uh, individuals that are civic-minded, community-minded, but also uh, able to carry forward the positions of both city council, um, but also the position of, of, the, of the province. What we do know is that because it only has one citizen appointee, uh, it's probably the people, the we, the people that are not politicians, that are not political appointees, that they all most likely will probably feel not always heard at the police service board. And it's designed that way. It's designed to not necessarily hear from communities. It's to um, it's a form for politicians and political appointees to make big decisions around the budget and uh, and how the police um, uh, operationalize those those services. And what does that mean for the possibility of your motion to defund the police or make a cut by 10 percent? What does that mean for that actually ever going through? 
So to defund the police uh, or to divest from the police, uh, it is really um, asking people to reimagine what public safety is, is, is about. So our position here is to rebalance the budget by taking the $122 million from the police budget. And overall, the police budget is $1.22 billion. It's the largest line item on the city of Toronto's operating dollars. And then to put those dollars into um, community supports that could be um, uh, used to divert youth away from violence, to uh, help uh, programs that will allow people to gain a pathway out of poverty. Uh, It will uh, assist those who are looking for affordable housing. Um, So it really has a lot to do with um, investing in the community so that those communities who may have felt like they've never felt safe, they've never been properly adequately looked after, so that they can actually have a foothold uh, to be able to de- define for themselves what does safety look like for them. But what, uh, what, is, con- what, what role does the police board have in terms of, I mean, if you got this through past council, then what's the process with the police services board? Well, I mean, so so interestingly, let's, 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 the, the bigger question I think is uh, city council, and and the, and the city council right now does not have the ability to either approve or disapprove any specific line item on the budget. So councillors have the have the the option of do you or do you not su- support the, the number? The number is one point two two billion dollars. So itself, City Council, by the legislative framework that governs the police, which is the uh, the Police Services Act, which is a provincial um, body of law, um, they actually uh, do not allow City Council to get into the the finer grain details of the police budget. So imagine you as a taxpayer, me as a taxpayer, we will capitalize the accounts to make sure that the police have, you know, at least $1.22 billion in the year 2020. But you and I don't have a say on how those dollars are spent. It's just a, a request that, that, that is approved. So council's only real power here is do we approve um, 1.22 or do we approve uh, less than, um, you know, minus the 10% and redirect those funds into other uh, community supports that also provide a path to, uh, to greater public safety. That's that's um, fascinating. Uh, speaking with Kristen Wong Tan, who is a Toronto City Councillor, and, and Councillor, I just want to play this for you because I, and mm-hmm. maybe what you just said will inform your answer, but Mike McCormick the uh, head of the Toronto Police Association was on the program yesterday uh, and I was talking about one of your tweets uh, and where you were outlining uh, essentially the, the basics of your motion and here was his reaction to that. I'm really confused because this seems to be nothing more than an emotional reaction uh, to a set of circumstances um, that, that have occurred over the last several weeks not a thought-out process of saying okay what are we trying to do here with evidence and data um, so I, I think that it's just lacking those types of things. And I just want to play one more for you because that was uh, was a, one of his comments. But this one is about specifically him asking you, where are you going to cut? Here, Here is Mike Cormack again. Yes. To say, okay, we're, we're going to find 10% of that in the policing budget. Tell me exactly what policing programs you want to cut. Let's have a discussion about that. But let's cut the crop and get, get to the real stuff. Okay, so that's the question to you, Councillor. 
Mm-hmm. So first of all, I think that um, you know the frontline officers that I've spoken to who are serving the, the the city, you know, doing a very difficult job day in and day out. The first thing that they'll probably tell you is that they're being sent to a lot of service calls that they do not feel like they should be sent to. So for example, police are the first responders to calls such as people living with mental health and having episodic violence. Uh, they are being called to intervene with uh, very complicated domestic violence matters that perhaps could have a different community approach. They're being asked to police the homeless and those who are living on the streets and and living rough. And so every single police officer I've ever spoken to has said, you know, Councillor, it would be great if the province actually invested more in mental health support. If we can get this person who actually needs an addiction recovery bed into a safe space where they can get the medical support that they can need. Every officer has, has pretty much you know, pretty much concur that they don't. But what programs, I think, is the question, Councillor, to sort of interrupt. Well, no, of course, but but I guess I'm getting to my point is that those programs that, that the police are being asked to respond to, we've given them far too much to do. We are almost setting up the police service to fail because they are not the ones that should be responding to those those, those particular calls. But to answer uh, Mr. McCormick's question about, you know, what do we cut? And there's always the big question of what do we cut? You know, the, the first thing, as I, I noted, is that city council doesn't get to do a line-by-line review of the budget. We need to have those powers and the province needs to give that to us so we can actually specifically uh, respond to what do we cut. But just globally things that I would consider that is not essential police work is uh, crime prevention work that you have a $140,000 constable standing in front of a local community meeting talking about how to how to uh, crime-proof your, yourself or your neighbourhood. That doesn't need to be done with a constable. That can be done with other organisations. Uh, if it's about youth programming, I see a lot of police officers playing basketball with kids these days and that's part of, a, you know, part of their job. But do they need to be doing that work or can we actually put those dollars into youth uh, workers so that they can actually build relationships and to build a pathway uh, uh, into education and divert them from guns and gangs. There's administrative tasks that are that we know that do not need um, you know uh, you know paid officers uh, that carry the firearm to do. Uh, there are police that are standing in schools. There are police that we use to somehow manage every single marathon or charity run, which is extremely expensive. Uh, do those jobs need to be done by police? officers. Um, so there's there's that component. Like, are police officers being asked to do far too much? And so therefore, they continue to, to need to grow the, the service by the number of employees. The other thing I would consider cutting is do they need pepper spray, tear gas, armored um, armed uh, armor vehicles? Do they need surveillance um, equipment? Um, UK officers don't even carry firearms. Uh, and of course, the Great Britain is a, is a very large country um, and so forth. I mean, we will never be able to really get to the root of this issue unless everybody comes to the table and says, you know what, what is what we have today does not work. There are efficiencies, but there are also some things that trial police should not be doing because there's other organizations, nonprofits, as well as institutions and hospitals that should be stepping in to do more because it's actually within their sector. We have to leave it there. Councillor Kristen Wong-Tamp, thank you so much for joining me on the program today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Alan. Take care.